You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We begin with breaking details about a bombshell dropped by the Alberta Premier. Her refusal to attend the Western Premier's conference is definitely an escalation in the Trans Mountain Pipeline dispute. Reporter Richard Zussman broke the story this afternoon, and he joins us now live in Victoria with the details. Richard, a lot of people wondering why she bailed out. Yeah, Chris, this was supposed to be a big meeting between Premier John Horgan and Alberta Premier Rachel Notley and all the other Western Premiers. But now Rachel Notley is not going. The official word out of her office is she wants to stay in Edmonton and focus in on the May 31st deadline that Kinder Morgan has set in order to get clarity on the pipeline. But what we're hearing is there was some disagreement around the way in which the press conference was going to be handled out of the meeting. The Alberta government wanted stronger language around resource extraction. The B.C. government didn't want any language at all about supporting pipelines. So they hit a loggerheads. Here's a statement that Rachel Notley posted on her Twitter page. Let me read it to you now. It would be surreal and exceptionally tone deaf for anyone to think we could politely discuss pharmacare and cannabis when one of the players is hard at work trying to choke the economic lifeblood of the province and the country. Obviously, that player she's speaking about is Premier John Horgan. His plan is still to go to Yellowknife and meet with the other premiers. But with such a key player, Chris, not being there, it's unclear whether they'll actually be able to focus on the issues or if it's all going to be about pipelines. But the conference is going ahead. Yeah, it sure is. All right. Thanks very much, Richard. Richard Zussman and Victoria Forrest. New developments tonight in a double shooting in Vancouver that caused a pregnant woman to lose her unborn child. Police have announced an arrest. Uh, Ramina Dea is live now with more on the person arrested. And Ramina, what are we learning about 37-year-old Carlton Stevens? Chris, he's in custody tonight facing two criminal charges. New details are also emerging about how the gunman got into the print shop early Friday morning. The 31-year-old mother-to-be was sleeping upstairs when the gunman opened fire. His access was through a skylight. That's how he came in undetected. The woman was in her third trimester. She survived, but the baby died. Dolly, the woman who confronted the shooter, punching him in the face, is relieved a suspect has now been arrested. I'm glad he's where he is. Um, and like I said, I hope he gets what he deserves. Several witnesses have identified Carlton Stevens as the suspect arrested in Surrey Sunday. Vancouver police say the 37-year-old has been charged with one count of attempted murder and one count of possession of ammunition or firearm, contrary to a probation order. Relief, a good feeling that maybe we're safe because uh, we still felt worried. Witnesses tell us the woman had recently broken up with her ex and a friend brought her here to protect her from an unsafe situation. That friend, a 23-year-old print shop employee, was also shot. He's just kind of isolating and it's not good. So I just let him know that I'm here for him whenever he's ready. Just It doesn't matter, day or night, I'm here for you. You're my friend and I want to help, right? 
Now, based on court records, Chris, we are also learning that a man with the same name and age as the suspect has a criminal resume that dates back years, including a charge for attempted murder in 2000. Now, he was ultimately convicted of the lesser charge of assault with a weapon. Chris. Romina, any update on the condition of the victims in this case? There is an update, Chris. The woman remains in hospital in stable condition, but her injuries are serious. Her friend, the young man who was also shot, he's been released. Chris. All right. Thanks very much, Ramina. A warning now from Surrey RCMP after another sexual assault in recent weeks with a similar suspect description. In the most recent attack, a woman was walking just after five yesterday morning in the area of 144th Street and 76th Avenue when she was grabbed by the arm and groped by a male suspect who was passing in the opposite direction. That suspect, described as South Asian, about 30 years old, five foot seven, with a medium build and short facial hair. He may also be associated with a brown or gray sedan. Now, the circumstances are very similar to an attack April 24th. A woman was walking at 1 in the morning at 84th Avenue and King George Boulevard when she was groped. RCMP released this sketch at the time. The suspect in that attack also described as South Asian, approximately 30 years old, about 5'10", with a medium build and scruffy facial hair. Now, RCMP are reminding the public of some key safety tips. Use main routes. Don't take shortcuts. Walk with friends and tell someone where you're going and when you'll be back. Trust your instincts and phone someone if you're ever delayed. Well, the sun may be shining, the temperature warming up, but North Shore Rescue wants to remind all of us it's still far from summer in the mountains. Tanya Beja is live with more on this. And Tanya Cruz, very concerned about the number of call-outs they've received already this season. That's right, Chris. If the number of calls keeps up, North Shore Rescue says it's headed for a record-breaking year. Hikers are out in full force, and that's keeping North Shore Rescue volunteers on their toes. We get nice weather, and we get a lot of people that are getting out into the backcountry, and some are prepared, and some are just absolutely not prepared at all. Crews have already responded to 42 calls this year, up from 29 last year. North Shore Rescue says part of the problem is that ill-prepared adventurers are misled by images online. I know people see pictures on social media that show beautiful peaks that have no snow on them. Well, that's not accurate at this time. It's prompted a reality check from Coquitlam Search and Rescue and a reminder to dress for the occasion. I have some things for it to layer depending on the weather and again, food, water. We always bring a flashlight and water, lots of water, because you don't know if, what can happen, right? You need the proper footwear. It's got these yesterday. Um, usually I make sure like I know where the hike is and like where I'm going and how long it is. And North Shore Rescue recommends passing that information on. We want to just keep it really simple. Like you just need to let someone know where you're going, what time you're expected back and when they should call for help. And if you can't tell someone, leave a note in your car. North Shore Rescue says it will make finding lost hikers that much easier. Chris, back to you. All right, let's hope they get some rest this season. Thanks for that, Tanya. Searcher is setting out again today looking for any sign of a Cowichan Valley father of two who disappeared under some mysterious circumstances. 41-year-old Ben Kilmer was last seen last Wednesday morning.
Jennifer Palma has more on where searchers are focusing their efforts and the emotional appeal from Kilmer's wife. This has been a hellish journey. I'm not going to lie, I don't want to hide that from anybody. It's been very, very difficult. And now, like, this is unfathomably difficult. I... Never imagined I would be living in this nightmare. Tanya Kilmer is searching for her husband, Ben Kilmer. The 41-year-old father of two young children has been missing since May 16th. Tanya says this is highly unusual. Well, it's a mystery because he would never leave us. Kilmer's disappearance is considered suspicious. The last time anyone saw the Cowichan area man was on the surveillance video at a job site. His work van was found on Cowichan Lake Road west of Duncan with the engine running and nobody around. A small amount of blood was inside. Don't feel like any search you're doing is a wasted effort. The search continues. It's taking shape on the Cowichan River, the ground, and in the air. I believe with every ounce of my being that he's in those bear caves, and we've got cavers there right now. Tanya says Ben is a good outdoorsman and that his family is the most important thing. But recently, they've been going through both an exciting and stressful time. Since October, when things have been a bit more stressful in our lives, we're, you know, we've been going through some stress. He started his own business. He's building us a dream home. His family says the support they've received from the community is comforting, but they want him home. I know he feels me. I know he's hanging on. I know he's fighting. Hang on, baby. We're going to find you, sweetheart. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Getting away for the weekend can be difficult at the best of times, but long weekend travel is often even more challenging. In fact, some passengers on B.C. ferries found it impossible. Their trip to the Gulf Islands derailed by an overbooked ferry. Grace Key reports. Traveling over the May long weekend usually means long waits at the ferry terminals, and that's normally isolated to drivers trying to get on board. But on one sailing, it was the foot passengers who were tripped up. The passengers were not happy. They were pretty ready to just stay there for as long as possible. I saw one girl take out her sleeping bag. Another woman started chanting, let us on, let us on. Andrea Schneck reserved Friday night 7.20 to Wasson to Gulf Island sailing. She was on her way to visit her sister. Turns out BC Ferries had overbooked by 12 passengers and they needed volunteers to give up their place. We were definitely surprised. Um, I had booked in advance. I had reserved my place on the boat and I thought I was going to get there as scheduled. It's something you normally hear about with flights, but not with ferry travel. BC Ferry says it is unusual and the system normally would have caught the numbers, but it was coming down to the wire. They're looking into it to make sure it doesn't happen again. By the time the terminal staff had reconciled the number of foot passengers uh, and the number of passengers traveling in vehicles on that particular sailing to the Gulf Islands, uh, the crew realized that we had exceeded the passenger count. Volunteers were compensated with a $50 food voucher, a refund, and free future travel. And on Saturday morning, the same run listed vehicle capacity as full, even though there were a few empty spots. BC Ferry says it happens when they've reached passenger capacity. Transport Canada licenses all of our vessels uh, to carry a maximum number of passengers. That has to do with life-saving equipment and uh, evacuation procedures. Your best bet, arrive early and check for updates. Grace Key, Global News. They have been an impressive sight over the years during wildfire season, but it appears to be the end of the line for those giant Mars water bombers. The company that owns and operates the aircraft, Colson Flying Tankers, still hopes to find a new home for the World War II-era aircraft. 
The province hasn't renewed its contract since 2013. The company's CEO, Wayne Colson, tells Global News that upkeep is expensive and they've all but been replaced in the firefight by more advanced, faster turboprop aircraft. They are now trying to find the three surviving planes a good new home. Flood recovery now underway in parts of the province. Optimism is building tonight as relief spreads that a second wave of flooding hasn't materialized as expected. John Waugh has more on the cleanup effort and how communities are trying to get back on their feet. And unfortunately, you're going to have uh, a lot more experience on this. As the threat of flooding starts to subside, a sense of relief has yet to wash over much of the province. Canada's defence minister is in West Kelowna to make sure his troops are still at the ready. We don't uh, set an arbitrary date on, on departure. We're focused on making sure the resources are there. And while river levels did not rise as high as anticipated, few are ready to let their guard down. It's come up a little bit. It's fairly stable, so we think for the most part we're going to be safe. Flooding concerns are still very real just west of Karameas, where four properties have been given the evacuation order. As the Tiger Dam in Grand Forks comes down and some businesses prepare to open as soon as possible, the military shutting down its mission there, focusing instead on calls from other communities. Our response is essentially uh, twofold here, uh, one uh, in and around the uh, Okanagan uh, Lake Grand Forks area uh, and uh, also through the lower Fraser Valley. Some flooding along the mighty Fraser, ruining camping plans over the May-long weekend in Langley. We parked, expecting we're going to go and walk on the trail, and there is no trail to walk on. It's insane. I've never, ever seen it like this. Uh, we'll try and find some higher ground, I guess. I'm, I'm hoping the other trail is not quite as wet. The river was still shy of the 6.4 meters needed to trigger evacuation orders. But don't expect alerts in low-lying areas to be cancelled just yet. We don't want to take them down, put them back up if all of a sudden we have a rain event or hot weather in the interior. And in the eyes of the defence minister, the threat right now is far from over. We can have the resources left in, in, in the areas so that uh, we don't leave too early and something else uh, uh, pops up. After all, BC's wildfire season is just around the corner. John Hua, Global News. The Cougar, believed responsible for a deadly attack near Seattle this past weekend, will undergo a necropsy to help determine why it pounced on two men, killing one of them. As Kylie Stanton reports, it's only the second time in a century that one of the big cats has fatally mauled a person in Washington state. Deep into the forest on these rough gravel roads, a bike ride turns deadly. One of the victims hears a scream from the partner. He looks back and sees that they're being chased by a cougar. The two cyclists stop and try to scare off the cat, exactly what experts say to do. And that caused it to run off into the woods. But just when they thought they were safe, the cougar returns, pouncing on one of the men. He had his whole entire head in the jaws of this, of this animal and was, was being shaken around horribly. He only managed to escape when the cat released its grip. Knowing they needed help, he got on his bike and started riding. Before leaving the area, he looked back and saw his friend, and the, the cougar was attacking his friend and uh, he wasn't able to, to go back and help him. Instead, he found a cell signal and called 911. Hours later, rescuers cornered and killed the mountain lion, but by then, it was too late. The cougar had actually drugged the victim back into the wood line, and he was found dead there. It's only the second time in the past century a cougar has killed a human in Washington state. And while encounters like this are common north of the border, fatal attacks are virtually unheard of. 
since they've been recording such things here in BC, uh, there have been less than uh, 10 fatalities caused by cougars, uh, and that's, you know, over 100 years now. Typically, they they stick pretty much to the, the deer and the other ungulates. In this case, authorities are planning to match DNA from the animal with the victim to be sure they have killed the right cougar. The carcass that's said to be emaciated, even at 100 pounds, has been sent for a necropsy at Washington State University. The hope is to try and determine why the animal behaved so aggressively. Horribly unfortunate. Kylie Stanton, Global News. No compass card, no problem. Starting tomorrow, you can tap to pay with Visa, MasterCard, or mobile wallet apps like Apple Pay, Google, and Samsung Pay. TransLink says the move will help reduce ticket lineups and clear up confusion about zones for riders who don't have a compass card. Users will have to make sure they're only tapping one card at fare gates or on buses. TransLink is looking at bringing debit cards into the tap-to-pay option in the future. The compass card is still the best bet because it offers a discounted rate. But at least now you can use a credit card if you got one. Well, in the digital age, getting flowers delivered is just a few clicks away. And while the bouquets may look great online... What you get in reality can be quite different. Our consumer reporter, Andrew, is here with more on a very disappointing Mother's Day delivery. It was very disappointing indeed. Thanks so much, Chris. Mm -hmm. Mother's Day has come and gone, but one consumer is still angry over her online flower order. Not only did the flowers arrive late, but they were barely alive when her mother received them. So the picture that you're seeing here is not even close to what your mom received. No, definitely not. Gemma Palmer selected a similar bouquet like this one to surprise her mom who lives in Summerland, B.C. on Mother's Day. Instead, her mom received this, wilted orchids along with melted chocolates. I sent it because I wanted to surprise her and I wanted it to be special, but it ended up just being embarrassing. Gemma's online ordeal began a couple of days before Mother's Day when she ordered online from a flower delivery company called Bloomex, the company calling itself Canada's official florist. I really wanted to get her something nice and to me it looked nice like they advertise it nicely the flowers they look good. Gemma placed her order the total coming to just shy of $62. The flowers scheduled to arrive the next day. Instead, they showed up at her mom's house two days later, a day after Mother's Day. Even worse, what was inside the box? And they were wilted, like just looked like they were melting and you kind of pick it up and the flowers would just kind of fall off. Gemma contacted Bloomex. After repeated efforts, she says she eventually got through to a customer representative, but hit a roadblock because she didn't have an order number. Gemma says that's because she never received one. So she contacted Consumer Matters. We reached out to Bloomex and Gemma received an apology from the company and a full refund in less than 24 hours. Bloomex telling Global News, we did experience some courier delays in certain parts of BC due to the sheer volume of orders that were in transit. So it seems that this order was one of those affected. Gemma's story is not isolated. Many customers expressing their disappointment with the company on social media. In fact, back in May of 2014, Global BC told the story of a dissatisfied customer who purchased two sets of flowers from Bloomex for Mother's Day. One bouquet never arrived, the other showing up a day early and to the wrong address. When it comes to ordering flowers online, this North Vancouver florist says, seek out a reputable flower shop. Order from an actual brick-and-mortar flower shop rather than what are called online order gatherers. 
Um, the best way to do that is to look and make sure that the website that you're looking at actually has an address and that they are a real flower shop. And check reviews. The Better Business Bureau says it's working closely with Bluemax to address the high volume of complaints and working towards improving its record. Not good enough for Gemma. She says she's steering clear of online ordering altogether. And one more tip if you are ordering flowers long distance, if you have a florist that you like to work with in town, you can give them a call and they often can handle the order for you, ensuring you get a quality arrangement. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me. There's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks very much, Ann. Lava shoots into the sky, prompting a warning from Hawaiian officials. Drive with caution or stay indoors with the windows closed. A fissure continues to spew a fountain of lava, which can be seen from the Lanipuna Gardens housing development on the Big Island. A small eruption at the Kilauea Volcano Summit produced an ash plume that's reaching about 2,100 meters. The lava has now made it down to the ocean, producing massive plumes of steam as well. Miami-Dade police releasing body cam footage of the intense confrontation between officers and a gunman at a Trump golf club last Friday. The officer wearing the body cam is outside a building when you hear the first gunshots. He goes inside, followed by other officers. The alleged gunman, Jonathan Odai, is not shown. Police say he entered the Trump National Doral Resort and pointed his gun at several people shouting anti-Trump rhetoric and waiting for officers to confront him. Odai was shot several times in the leg, but survived. Officials in Texas are trying to unravel the motive behind the high school shooting massacre in Santa Fe. Tonight, heart-wrenching stories of loss and survival. We hear from the widower of a teacher who was killed and a chilling account from one of the survivors. Today, outside Santa Fe High School, a moment of silence for 10 lives lost. I could not have asked for a better woman. William Tisdale's wife, Cynthia, was a substitute teacher. She'd gone back to work more than a year ago when he was diagnosed with a lung disease. What will you miss most about her? She was always there. Uh, through everything. I mean, we've been through a lot. Inside the school, as the trench coat wearing gunmen opened fire, Isabel Lamance and eight other students barricaded themselves in an art supply closet. As she says, the shooter taunted his victims. What'd you hear? He said, woohoo. He just like screamed it, kind of, shouted it. Did he seem like he was enjoying this? Yes, he was. You could tell that he was by all the things that he was saying. In this cell phone video, students run for their lives. You can hear three gunshots. It was recorded by Susanna Salazar, who shortly after the shooting learned her younger sister had been shot. Thankfully, Sarah Salazar survived. She's strong. We all love her, and we were all here for her, and she's safe now. Shana Fisher had just turned 16. Her mother says she was the first student killed and had been harassed by the confessed shooter, Demetrius Pagorchis, for four months, rejecting his romantic advances. But today, his attorneys visiting their client in jail said he doesn't remember Fisher's name. Investigators have not confirmed a motive and are poring over the suspect's journals to see how long he may have been plotting the attack. I think he still seems very confused about the incident um, and um, figuring out what exactly happened. 
What happened is that Cynthia Tisdale left behind 11 grandchildren and this note to her husband the morning of the massacre. I love you. I hope you feel better today. Love, Mom. They'd been married almost 47 years. An emotional day in London as relatives of the 71 victims of last June's deadly high-rise fire paid tribute to their loved ones at the start of a public inquiry. It began with a moment Thank of silence know. before families you know, spoke no. about their lost loved ones. The fire hit the 24-story Grenfell Tower in the middle of the night. The building in a deprived pocket of West London was quickly engulfed in flames, trapping people inside. The months-long inquiry will try to determine the cause of the disaster. In Toronto, a historic family attraction is little more than charred rubble tonight. Flames broke out at the stables at Sunnybrook Park early this morning and quickly became an inferno. Sixteen horses were killed, but as Sean O'Shea reports, it could have been much worse. It's all that's left. The smoldering remains of an historic stable near the center of Toronto, where horses have been boarded for about a hundred years. We have about ten horses here. We think that a lot of them got burned in the fire. Fire ripped through the Sunnybrook Park stables starting about three in the morning. Crews arrived quickly, but the fire burning was out of control. Sixteen horses, all of the sixteen horses that were in the barn have, uh, have perished. Autumn Blanchard's family has kept their horses here for years. One of the ponies I actually showed for three years myself, and she actually just came here um, about a year and a half ago with it. She, um, she died today. <laughs> While fire crews poured water on the barn, the officers, with the help of firefighters, shepherded another group of horses away from an adjoining structure. Services and our trucks hadn't got the horses out of the other affected area, even if it wasn't fire. Uh, the smoke is, is you know, deadly toxin as well, so uh, they could have perished, perished just from the smoke. I think that it's fair, it's, it would be a fair assumption, yes, that more horses could have uh, perished, yes. The fire happened not far from the constituency office of Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne, who paused from the election campaign to express her thanks and concern. And the community responded um, and just say that uh, our thoughts are with, uh, with all of the families and... Um, and the first responders particularly. Now investigators are examining how the fire started. We haven't been able to determine uh, what exactly was the cause. Blossom, Phoenix, Carter, um, Dante. The names of beloved horses boarded here. For their owners, it's like losing part of the family. Sean O'Shea, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, new evidence suggests brain scans can be used to diagnose ADHD in children. Researchers in the U.S. compared the brain scans of 90 young children and found those with ADHD symptoms also had smaller brain volume, especially in the frontal lobe. That's the area that controls motor function, attention, and decision-making. The study suggests parents should have children tested as soon as they show symptoms like excessive talking and extreme trouble concentrating. With treatment, some kids can manage the symptoms. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A greasy annual tradition took place at the U.S. Naval Academy today. What these freshmen are trying to accomplish right after Christie's forecast, which, if you like sun and warm temperatures, you're mm -hmm. probably going to like.
That's right. You're in luck. That's for sure. Now, not all areas want the warmth. That's for sure. We'll be talking about that. But look at this beautiful Victoria Day Monday for you. Um, yeah, isn't that nice? And yes, the long range is looking pretty good. Let me show you first, though, snow depth. I wanted to point out uh, these are snow depths, a lot of them for the higher elevations. A lot of the low and mid has now uh, melted. You can see Greyback Reservoir uh, almost done. But there's a few key areas. I know that the Grand Forks is a little bit in the clear, not for all areas of Grand Forks. And then we're also watching one area just east of Grand Forks, the Selmo River right now. Uh, so there's a few areas that we're still watching. And one of them is also in through the Shushuap the Thompson area. Here's an example of what the River Forecast Center has put out for their forecast. You can see a still a slow climb uh, towards uh, uh, swollen uh, rivers in that area. And the reason for that is this. The next three days, they're going to have temperatures 9 to 10 degrees above average. Another stretch of heat. I mean, this is incredible what we've seen in the last little while with continued heat. Uh, and then further downstream, this is what we're looking at at the Matsqui Park in Abbotsford. You can see the uh, park bench out there and uh, the river just super high and swollen in through, um, in through the Abbotsford. This is sort of the Abbotsford uh, Mission Bridge, as you can see there. Now, right now, uh, we haven't had an update from the River Forecast Center itself, but this is what their model data is showing that after today, things start to ease off. That is good news. It is just below six meters right now, and it looks like things will continue to get better and not worse. So uh, we will be tracking that for you. But at this point, based on what we have in uh, the forecast, it looks like that certainly could be the case. Now, for the rest of the province, a little bit of cloud cover here and there, but generally big ridge of high pressure is going to build. The one area that's going to get hammered, though, the north coast and you're going to see up to 50 millimeters of rain over the next 36 hours there it is there cooler and wet for you in the coming days meanwhile further inland we continue on this trend with hot sunny conditions temperatures good 8 to 10 degrees above average Kamloops 31 Merritt 31 and that's why we're not out of the woods just yet although things are looking better but there's a few key areas that we're watching for the floods now south coast region 25 to 20 uh, sorry 21 to 25 tomorrow for Metro Vancouver. We warm up into our Wednesday, but that's a picture-perfect forecast, that's for sure. Chris, we still could see a little bit of fog through the morning. And I wanted to leave you with this shot of Benjamin. He's at the Matsqui Park. A lot of people heading down to that mm -hmm. park wondering, hey, wait a second, what happened to all the area where we can play and have fun? It's not good when you got a canoe out to the picnic table. That's right. There's no fires there for a little while. Yeah. Too bad. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Well, the freshman class at the U.S. Naval Academy showing us what teamwork is all about. A thousand freshmen forming a human pyramid around the lard-covered Herndon Monument in an attempt to get to the top. Once they reach the plebe hit, or the Dixie Cup, and replace it with an upperclassman's hat, they officially become midshipmen. This year's class completed the grueling task in only two hours, nine minutes, and 35 seconds. That's a long time to be climbing up a greased-up monument among greased-up freshmen as well. He. All right, Kensington Palace has released three official royal wedding photos taken after Prince Harry and Meghan's carriage procession through Windsor. The Queen, immediate family, and the young wedding party joining the newlyweds for a formal family photo. That's a nice one. The newly titled Duke and Duchess of Sussex also posing with their beaming bridesmaids and page boys. And the happy couple, 
then taking some more relaxed pictures without the entourage. Nice and black and white. Very That's nice great shot. black and white. Did you guys get up to watch it? You were up pretty early anyway, weren't okay, you? Okay, so here's the true story. My yes. wife had another royal wedding party. She did it the last time around. Did it again. Ten women were in the house. I tried to go to bed early. I was up with them watching. <laughs> All right, we're back with sports. Is the dream going to come through for Alex Ovechkin? Maybe. Maybe. We've got a lot of work to do. And I'll tell you, they are throwing it at Tampa Bay mm-hmm. right now. We'll get to it. Thanks, Chris. Uh, evening, everybody. Getting past the second round of the playoffs for the first time in 20 years seemed to send the Washington Capitals on their way towards a Stanley Cup berth. They quickly raced out and took the opening two games of the Eastern Final against Tampa Bay. But since then, it's been a fully charged Lightning squad winning in the next three. And quick little bit of history here. In the conference era, which dates back to 1974-75, only two teams in 41 occasions have won the first two games of a conference final or league semifinal and failed to win the series. That was the Montreal Canadiens in 1984 and Boston Bruins in 1991. Start History done. How's that for game face? Game on, Chris. Grecian formula in the beard. He's ready to go. I don't think there is. No? Oh, natural. They were throwing their weight around in the opening period. Tom Wilson on Cedric Paquette. I tell you, they had their chances, but they're getting Mark andre Fleury in this series by Andre Vasilevsky. Look at a save on Alexander Ovechkin. Turns aside the one-timer in the slot. It was a scoreless opening period. He was trying to score... He was throwing his body around. This guy's been a good playoff performer for the Washington Capitals. It was a scoreless opening period. Vasilevsky. Look at the save here. Off of Jenny Kuznetsov. I want to show you two replays. The pad, the leg, the glove, the arm. That was late in the first period. Oh, no Timmy's for you, Vasilevsky. I want to see the Capitals get through. Second period, late in the period, on the power play. You're going to see it right now. T.J. Oshie, first of the series. They are late in the second period, and it is 1-0. 25 years and still counting since the Canadian team last won the Stanley Cup. Winnipeg Jets, the latest photo fall to the Vegas Golden Knights. Really is no better story in sports right now than the team that proudly calls itself the Golden Misfits. Polished off the Jets in five games last night. This after dropping the opening game of the series. Vegas, four straight wins against a very, very good Winnipeg Jets hockey team. I mean, they, they, it, was, it was their time. You know, uh, they're, uh, they're, they're just they're playing really well, you know. And uh, you have to give them all the credit. Typically in a seven-game series, uh, you know, the better team wins. Um, coming into it, uh, I thought we were the best team. You know, I felt that way. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased um, standing in this room, you know, feel that uh, uh, we had a great opportunity and um, that team, you know, just it, it was their time. You know, they uh, they made it really, really tough for us. We had to work for everything we got. And, uh, you know, even when we broke them down, we just we couldn't seem to, to ever gain the type of momentum we needed to to, to get this thing uh, on our terms. There you go. <laughs> a two goal lead for the Chilliwack Chiefs. The crowd on its feet. Final seconds ticking down. The Chilliwack Chiefs are hometown heroes once more. Well, we have to relive the moment, don't we? Huge congratulations to the Chilliwack Chiefs. What a week of hockey out in the Valley. Chiefs, the third RBC host in the last four years to win the National Junior A Championship on home ice, beat the Wellington Dukes 4-2. Of course, they lost out in the opening round of the BC Hockey League playoffs to Prince George. 
did not play a hockey game for two months. Players went home for a few weeks, came back, had a mini training camp, and then just went on this magical run. Of course, the Chilliwack Chiefs, one of the most respected junior A franchises in all of Canada. And now we can call them national champions. Congratulations, Chilliwack. BC Lions just getting settled into their Kamloops training camp digs. Casual walkthroughs yesterday and today. They're going to strap on the pads, get at it tomorrow. Bit of a different approach by Wally Buono. We'll still see two-a-day practices. Just won't be smacking around as much out of the gate. This camp is also the end of the line for Wally. 2018, officially Wally's last season on the sideline. The entire Buono family heading to Kamloops to share in this final camp. To me, it's, you know, we have an end to everything. I, I uh, you know, remember my uh, last day as a player. Uh, you know, do I regret it? No. I mean, you know, my time was up then. And, uh, you know, after a successful 2018 uh, season, uh, my time will be up and I'll enjoy what I've accomplished. I've enjoyed uh, being a part of, of a great league. And uh, I've been around a lot of very, very good people who have been good to me. He's been great for the game. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, LA Galaxy in Montreal facing an impact side, not making much of an impact. What is this? Ibrahimovic, day was over before the opening half. Slaps Michael Petrasso for stepping on his foot. Oh Yellow card for Petrasso and an instant red for Ibrahimovic. Not good. good. Kind of like when you stuck your finger in the icing, your mom said, like, get your finger out of there, Chris. <laughs> Impact couldn't punish the 10-men galaxy, though. Ola Kamara. Only goal of the match, Montreal has now been shut out in three straight matches. Should also mention Memorial Cup. Swift Current tied with Hamilton right now 1-1. They lost their first game. And Tyler O'Neill, Maple Ridge's very own, another home run tonight. Cardinals are beating Kansas City 4-0. He's at three home runs in the last seven days. Doing well. Good Maple Ridge. Okay. okay, we're going to end things off with an extremely uncommon sight and sound. An encounter between two links squaring off deep in the bush in Ontario, and had it not been caught on video, you might have trouble believing it was real. Take a listen. Who runs into this? I know you don't completely believe it. <laughs> I, I mean, it sounds like... I do. Because have you not heard of two cats outside your yep. window at yes. night do you know something similar? Sound exactly and the like sound that. is crazy. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like two drunken college students to me <laughs> going at it. It's funny. It happened about 150 kilometers east of Kenora. The guy who shot the video lives off the grid in that area. And he says he watched the cats for several minutes before actually driving around them as they were still engaged in that... <laughs> Standoff. I gotta go now. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently they can do that over territory. They'll fight over territory, and that's the kind of stuff you see in here. Neat. Weird. Okay, last word on weather before you go. 
It's going to be beautiful for the next several days. Uh, no rain in sight. Temperatures well above seasonal. That's not necessarily good news for the interior. We're still on flood watch, although things are certainly looking better compared to yeah, last week. Sounded, sounded better today for sure. Thanks very much for watching. Hope you have a great evening and we'll see you back here tomorrow.